Insights on Responsible Business is a podcast about organizations building trust, security, and resilience to thrive in an era of stakeholder capitalism. Our host, Sir Rob Wainwright, talks with business leaders and experts about their experiences in charting a new direction towards commercial success and greater societal impact. Our special guest today is Alice Steenland. She has been the Chief Sustainability Officer of Dassault Systems since February 2020. In this role, Alice leads the company's efforts to further embed social and environmental sustainability into its 3D experience platform, a platform that is used by many of the world's most sustainable companies to transform how they imagine, create, and produce new experiences. Rob and Alice are here to talk about virtual twins helping a responsible business community deliver real change. Over to you, Rob. Great. Thank you, Vaidehi. Warm welcome to you, Alice. Well, thank you for joining us today to talk about so many interesting things. The world of 3D technology, the exciting potential of virtual twins, which I'm really uh, interested to, to get into. And of course, so much more on the theme of sustainability. Well, looking at your bio, Alice, you've got a lot of experience of leading sustainability programs, not just in this sector, but in the financial sector, many others as well during your career. Let's just start in, in that place, should we? Reflecting on that experience, Alice, um, how far do you think we've come in the business world of today in our commitment levels and action on sustainability? Mm. Um, yeah, I, th- I think most people in this field will tell you there was a massive uh, turning point. I mean, we feel, we feel like we're at the tipping point for this topic. Um, after you know having had a awareness raising phase that lasted about 30 50 years maybe <laughs> depends on how you count it but um, it's a slow burn isn't it it was a slow burn we can say yeah, it more, that way more yeah. ways than one yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly literally also uh, and so we um yeah i think most people will tell you there's just been a starting maybe in in 2018 uh, um but definitely massive acceleration also with the pandemic oddly um why well, is that, that's... though? I mean, it's interesting. I've heard other other leaders on on this podcast show talking about that that effect, the effect of the pandemic, also accelerating our, our you know our, our commitment to climate change. How do you make that connection? In how do you see yeah. it? Yeah. Um, well, let's see. I think there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, I think there is that. First of all, that slow burn. I mean, the 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 science was there. The technology to work on this was there. I mean, we have you know solutions on energy on the energy side, on the production side, um, and so so part of it was we were like almost to that tipping point. And I think why the pandemic helped is this. Um, sort of massive global experiment in, you, you know, you can actually survive in a very different model of economy. Um, and people, a lot of citizens realizing, I think, the fragility um, of our ecosystem and how we are just one species within a much broader scheme and we need to perhaps pay more attention to that. I think that's um, I think the sort of collective experience of saying, wow, the world could function completely differently. Um, also, while we are vulnerable and we need to work on our resilience models. Um, and, you know, for the, for those folks who were sort of really into the science of it, this idea that this is, uh, you know, a, a disease that is um, very likely uh, connected to our destruction of uh, animal habitats. And, I mean, the, the, you know, on the scientific level, there is a connection between um, our health and what we're doing to the planet, um, and I think a lot of um, a lot of people realize that as well. So uh, this sort of collective experience was, I think, very important in accelerating awareness um, uh, amongst the general public, 
I remember they did some surveys uh, in the beginning of the pandemic saying, do you want to see your government uh, acting as strongly on climate change as you see them acting today on the pandemic? And you had overwhelmingly uh, people saying across the world, yes. Um, wasn't that, wasn't, and, hasn't that been the case for some time now, Alice? It's just that maybe that that general interest in doing that across the public hasn't been hasn't always translated into the strategies of of big business. Um, yeah, and government and regulation and government, yeah. also, I'd say. Um, I, I mean, in terms of the sustainability field, you know, Sustainability Inc., uh, there is this, um, you know, there's always been a group of leading corporates who have been very sensitive to what stakeholders think. And they have been following those surveys that say people care about climate change, people care about human rights, they, they are more uh, loyal and more attached to brands and companies that also care about these topics. So there's always been a leading group of companies. So the question was, how many years of, of uh, pilots and experimentation and leadership have to happen before you have a regulatory shift where folks say, okay, we know it can work because look at these global companies who've been doing it. So now let's apply this to the whole market. And I think we were waiting for that, also that regulatory intervention, which we're seeing in, in, with the, the, the Green Deal and the reaction to the pandemic, the massive stimulus um, packages that are coming online. A lot of that focus on, you know, how do we shift regulation? How do we shift capital towards these different um, parts of the economy uh, to make our ecosystems more sustainable? I think that's been a conscious decision in a lot of parts of the world. And so, you, I mean, I think I'm seeing it as well across the many discussions I'm having during this series and, and in my other work. But so you, you recognize that some sort of you feel a palpable shift then in business towards this idea of responsible business, I guess, the idea of putting ESG sustainability at the heart of, of, of purpose led strategies. And that, that's happening today, you think that's, you know, can you feel it? Can you see it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, th I think, you know, on the finance side, um, you know, there is clearly when you have, you know, the Black Rocks of the world and, and, the, and the largest asset managers in the world saying we are going to do uh, ESG across our portfolios, we are going to integrate this stuff um, and we feel it. So I, I'm on the corporate side, um, you know, the questions are not the same. The questions we get at the annual uh, general meetings, at the earnings um, reports, we do, they're not the same questions anymore. So there is definitely a shift. And then there is the side, I mean, you know, we have, um, uh, like I said, the stimulus money from the government uh, going into uh, in, into these areas of the economy where, where there was not as much support before. Uh, you see, uh, you know, f we're a technology company, our customers are asking us, how are you going to help us uh, on this transformation? How are you going to help us change the way we produce things? How are you going to help us get to zero carbon manufacturing? Um, you know, how, how can we get plastic out of our designs? Uh, these are these are questions we're getting on the ground. These are real questions. So yeah, it is it is it is not a this is not a, a theoretical discourse anymore. And one of the I, I suppose one of the areas that allow us to to, to think bigger and and and, re, and indeed do a lot more in this area is is technology is the, is, is the greater use of technology uh, and there's the link also I guess to you know during the pandemic business saw that they could actually survive quite well and get on to a different form of, of, of business activity, you know, largely on the back of enterprising use of technology, of course. So tell me a little bit about the work of of Desso System and what you're doing there in terms of, you know, how you're making sustainability impacts through, through, through your current work. 
Sure. Yeah. So maybe first a, a word on Dassault Systems. So it's a, it's a mostly a B two B company, um, and they um, provide virtual universes. So um, you can uh, sort of run your business in a virtual model. So you can design products. You can come up with new materials. There's material science built into the software. Uh, you can model how it would resist uh, heat and pressure and uh, how it would be used. You can model how it would be manufactured. You can make a duplicate of your manufacturing systems and get real-time feedback on those and adjust those processes. You can uh, go all the way through to the dismantling and the disintegration or um, or um, or the recycling of a product. You can you can model that whole thing. So y- y- you can do almost anything you want in this virtual universe. And so if you're a sustainability professional and you hear that, which is what I did and, the, and why I joined this company, you hear that and you think, oh my goodness, this would be so helpful <laughs> if you have to rethink everything, if you have to rethink how you manufacture, where the energy comes from, how hot a furnace can get, um, how how you can build something with no plastic anymore, how you can, you know, how can you do all of that change in such a short time? And actually, you can't do all that change in such a short time without virtual universes. So this is, you know, when you look at um, all of the major disruptive breakthroughs like uh, you know, 75% of the wind energy today is uh, coming out of um, uh, windmills that were designed with this software. Uh, 85% of all electric vehicles were designed with this software. Those are incredible figures, you know, Alice, because I think me, maybe many other people are thinking virtual, uni- she's talking about virtual universes, virtual twins, you know, it's kind of of another world um, like well it kind of is I mean you <laughs> yeah. know I, I kind of get it but then but then you, you describe the impact it's already having um, in in those industries you know I it, it's it seems um, a less well-known technology than it should be I guess yes well that's uh, we certainly think that too um, and I think when you make the connection to sustainability it definitely people definitely need to be leveraging this um, uh, you know, I think it's not, first of all, it's completely industrial software. This is not the kind of tech that the average person uh, interacts with. This is, um, this is used today for very large scale, complex uh, uh, processes or products. So either the object itself is extremely complex, like uh, the world's first uh, electric glass furnace or uh, an airplane, you know, the world's first solar airplane was designed with this software. Um, so either the object itself is extremely complex or the manufacturing process, for example. So how does Coca-Cola produce so many bottles a day? It's, pr- it's actually quite astounding. Or, or how does any large consumer goods product produce so many products at such a high speed uh, with such a low rate of error? All of that is done with virtual modeling. Just tell me, um, just talk me yeah. through, and the listeners may be I mean, interested. Take an example like like the world's first solar aircraft. What, what is involved there in, in applying this technology? How, how is it done in sort of layman terms to to sort of give the benefit and give the the, the planning effects that, that those need really to, to to move towards production? Hmm. Um, well, let's see. First, it's a collaborative platform, so it's sort of like. Uh, I remember one colleague said it's like the Google Docs, but for building things. So you you can have, which is the case, like for any car company, you can have thousands of engineers working on one model, 
right? Um, and they're all doing different parts. And so what it allows you to do is have a 3D model that everyone's working on simultaneously so that when you adjust like a screw, or if we come back to the solar plane example, you know, if you place the solar panel here, somebody else in your team can see what impact that would have on the aerodynamic of the wing or on the weight. And then, so you're working it. So the collaborative element is actually quite important. It doesn't sound like that, um, uh, you know, it sounds like everybody's collaborating all the time on platforms, but actually when you're building something so complicated, it's very important to have one version of it that people can visualize and play with and turn around and see. So that's one piece of the story. And then there's the science that's built into the software. So it's actually, I, I tend to think what we sell is less about tech and more about um, science and engineering um, because you can take that 3D model and then you can say, well, what happens if I fly it at this temperature in this type of atmosphere? What if it runs into this type of turbulence? What will happen to the structure? How will it degrade? How will it react? And that kind of simulation you can run in the software. And I think that's actually one of the biggest strengths. Um, What's been your assessment, Alice? Uh, you know, I did read a recent report, you know, which is a bit of an eye-opener, actually, in, in terms, for me at least, in terms of the enormous potential of virtual twins technology, actually in, in generating a lot of economic benefit, but also reducing uh, global CO2 emissions. You know, the scale of that, Alice, just, just talk me through that a little bit and, and how you see that, that, that being realised. Yeah. So, um, so when we were talking about, you know, a lot of people don't know about this technology. It's, I would say the, what they, what we used to call an insurance when I worked in insurance, the penetration rate of this technology is, is actually fairly low. I think we're at sort of, you know, 10% of the market, the the potential market is using it today. Again, usually very, you know, large companies that build very complex things or in a very complex way. Um, but the growth rate is about 30%, uh, 36% per year. So it's a massively expanding field. And the, what we tried to do with that study was to say, if we take just, you know, to make it more concrete for people, we take just five case studies across different parts of the economy and imagine what you could do if you could scale up that impact. So if more players in the economy were doing things virtually, um, uh, how could that help in terms of sustainability? And the conclusions were uh, certainly the, the cost savings. And a lot of that is just about your accelerating innovation, right? So your innovation cycle, which might, if you had to build physical prototypes, for example, of something could take you years and could take you decades. Um, and in fact, you can do this uh, usually in, you know, uh, depends on what you're trying to build, but probably half the time at least doing it virtually. So that acceleration of innovation, and when you're thinking about accelerating towards sustainability, it, it sort of makes a lot of sense. And and then in terms of the how that translates into CO2 impacts, um, we basically took those case studies and said, you know, what would be the CO2 reductions in those different scenarios uh, from coming up with more sustainable products or in a more sustainable manufacturing um, system? and concluded that you'd save about, between now and 2030, about 7.5 uh, gigatons of um, CO2 equivalents, which is, in fact, the, the emissions of the of the automobile sector or the transportation sector, not even the automobile sector, the transportation sector today. So it gives you a size, uh, sort of an idea of the magnitude or the size of the impact it could have if it were used at scale. And is it, I mean, I mean that's a big potential dividend, um, you know, getting to the point where we realize that, I guess, is still... You know, still a hurdle to cross in terms of, you know, as always, pairing uh, the, te- the potential of technology with business strategy and business leadership. Is Where are we with that? Is, is, do we yet have the right kind of mindset to really go for this in the next five years, do you think? 
Well, I think you pointed out something really important, which is um, which is sort of the role of the pandemic also, and to what extent uh, sort of all companies have realized, you know, they can function digitally, or to what extent at least uh, digital technologies are going to be critical to resilience in general. And so, I mean, certainly uh, we have seen a a big uh, uptick in adoption of these technologies in in the past, you know, two years or so. So probably a lot of that is linked to the pandemic and the fact that you can sort of, you know, you can design a car (laughs) from from your home office, in fact, using this technology. Um, so, I, so I think there is going to be just structurally, as folks are relying more on digital, I think there will be the shift. The question for me is whether you will also see an acceleration specifically because of the sustainability imperative and the agenda there. I'm hoping people will use it because I, I think there are very few other technologies that can give us the time we need uh, basically to make the change, uh, the big enough changes fast enough. Um, so I, am hoping for the planet <laughs> that more companies are going to be adopting this. Um, and I think so. One of the other things that's interesting, the rise of, um, the use of virtual twins is that it's also connected to the rise of IOT and the internet of things. So this idea of a living twin, so you have the virtual version of it, but then it's connected to what's actually happening in the real world. And there's feedback loops between those two, the virtual world and the real world that are helping you to constantly improve. And that's very pertinent for things like, you know, if you're monitoring building consumption or if you're monitoring the resource use in the manufacturing process. So that's also the two are connected, in fact. Um, and so both are on, both are on the rise. So I'm I, I'm hopeful. And well, you're more than hopeful. I think you, you seem to be a passionate advocate for this and the use of technology to help in our sustainability efforts. Um, I mean, I guess you've been working on the sustainability question for throughout your career. Um, I just wondered, Alice, what drives your your passion uh, apart from what we all kind of co-share? I hope we just wanted to save the planet. Uh, I'm interested. You, you know, you move there. You were in you know. In, big job in a big industry like the insurance sector and then you move to to this area which is you know not not yet broken through maybe so so what, what was your ambition there yeah um so what i'm interested in is um um well the sort of the system right so i think a lot of people who work in sustainability are systems thinkers so uh the question was where do you need to push in the system to get things to move faster. Um, and like I, like we talked about earlier, I think, um, uh, you know, I worked in the finance sector for a long time, and I think that sector has moved phenomenally fast in the next, in the last few years, um, to the point where they, they really are driving, I think they're driving a lot of change and they were driving it before the regulators uh, stepped in. Um, so sort of de facto uh, soft regulation uh, in that sense. Um, so it, it's, it, it, they have moved very, very fast. And so it sort of, I sort of came to the conclusion that you've now got an alignment of, you know, what people want, what citizens want. You've got an alignment of what leading businesses are trying to accomplish. You've got an alignment of the finance behind that. You're even starting to see an alignment with the regulatory pressures, right? So now it's just a question of getting it done. Like now you just have to say, okay, so what does that mean to do, to, to build something with no carbon? right? How do you do that? And so this question of how do you actually do it? How do you get it done is actually a technology question. And so that was my thinking and shifting from finance, which is an enabler of the economy to technology, which is another enabler of the economy. It's just that 
now we've got 10 years left and I think it really is going to be about the technology. And about getting 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 this job done, as you say, which is, which is a, a, maybe a great way to end, Alice. What a uh, a great discussion we had today. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, joining me today, you know, to talk about this game changing potential of technology on on sustainability. Thank you. Well, for many, the concept of virtual twins, as we've been hearing today, may appear something out of a sci-fi movie, but its potential to transform our sustainability landscape is very much real world. Many groundbreaking technologies in the past have delivered profound impacts on industrial processes and economic models. This may prove to be no exception, with a recent report pointing to the potential of this technology to generate a trillion dollar benefit to the economy and a double digit reduction in global CO2 emissions. Now, making sure we deliver on that kind of potential, however, will be a challenge. It will require a much broader adoption of the technology across industries and a sustained business appetite for further innovation in this field. Progress is being made under the leadership of people like Alice Steenland, but there is so much more to come. Much of that is also dependent on business leaders truly committing to play their part in the cause of climate change. Thanks to the pandemic, partly, that prospect is looking rosier than it has in the past. But we all know the clock is ticking down on the time left to save our planet from permanent ecological damage. So big leadership and big action is overdue. Perhaps new technologies will once again be the world's savior. Virtual twins helping a responsible business community deliver real change. Thank you for listening to another episode of Insights on Responsible Business. We hope you enjoyed it and will tune into our next episode. Please review us on Spotify, the iTunes podcast app, or whatever popular podcast app you're using. And find out more on Deloitte.nl. See you next time.